Dads Lifting Dads is a diverse community of dads coming together to celebrate our challenges and rejoice in our successes. It's about dads who know that true strength comes from vulnerability. And it's for dads seeking support and growth to become better individuals, partners and dads. These are their stories. Welcome to the Dads Lifting Dad podcast, Stephanie Pinto. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Very welcome. Um, We're just going to jump straight into it and not waste any time. So if you'd like to start um, by telling everyone who is Stephanie Pinto and and what do you do? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Um, I'm an emotional intelligence coach and I work with parents. So um, I know emotional intelligence can be uh, something for adults, something in the workplace, something a lot of um, teams and organizations are uh, really sort of focusing on now. And that is one other part of my work to work with um, adults and teams to help emotional intelligence in the workplace. But my huge passion, as some of you guys know, is um, really around helping parents to create kind of what I call <laughs> an emotionally intelligent family culture. So that's what I do. I coach parents um, one-on-one in groups. Um, I've got some other exciting stuff coming up that um, maybe we can touch on later. Um, But that's, yeah, that's kind of where I feel like I've um, really found my place. So for a long time, I was doing speech pathology, working with kids and families, but um, long story short, got burnt out doing that and luckily discovered emotional intelligence and realized how powerful that was for families, particularly for parents in terms of bringing their stress and their frustration down and understanding their triggers um, and helping their kids to manage some of those big emotions and those challenging behaviors as well. So in a nutshell, that's kind of who I am, what I do. Um, And I've been lucky enough to have a lot of people recognize how important this work is. and really see that emotional intelligence needs to be spoken about, needs to be put up at the forefront of families and of education systems as well. Um, now I'm, I've been asked to be a child behavior mentor on the Nurture Parenting magazine, um, speak on various summits and conferences around the world for parents and stuff like that. So it's getting momentum, which is awesome. <laughs> it is. And I want to kind of touch on like, where you feel it's, um, I guess, gained that momentum from it and why it's now becoming, I guess, more and more known. But before we kind of dive into that, what is emotional intelligence? Yeah, good question. I think still it's a little bit of a new um, term for a lot of mums and dads. And um, like I said, yeah, if you haven't done any uh, training or anything at work or professional development, which is kind of where I started and looked into it, It's really um, your ability to be aware of your own emotions and those of other people's in the moment. So knowing that stuff in the moment on the fly, recognizing it happening, and then using that as information, that knowledge as information to guide your actions, make good decisions, adjust your behavior. So really it's that um, I always kind of start with, you know, emotional intelligence 101 is self-awareness. It's knowing yourself, knowing your patterns and your habits. And, oh, my God, I do that. Oh, my God, I am snappy. And, wow, I really can't handle this. Or, um, you know, knowing your strengths and your weaknesses. And um, it, it covers a whole lot of areas that we 
sometimes see as different skills which are actually underneath or, or make up emotional intelligence. So there are 26 competencies that make up emotional intelligence and they're things like um, communication, empathy, self-awareness, behavioral self-control, integrity, um, leadership as well, stress management, a whole lot of things that, that kind of when we, um, when we have some of those skills to a certain degree, it, it helps us become emotionally intelligent, become um, resilient and confident and have pretty good relationships um, with people around us. So it's a big, big area. <laughs> yeah, huge, huge. And I think like it's funny that you talk about, you know, because I was in, you know, dealt with big business before and a lot of self-development and it was never when I was doing it, at least, it was never talked about as emotional intelligence. It was all this self-development work and self-assessment work, but those two words, emotional intelligence, wasn't a thing. Um, so I guess in your opinion, why do you feel it's become part of the, um, like the terminology, how do, why do you feel that's now kind of growing momentum? Um, I actually think uh, a lot of it is because of the research that has come out in the last 20, 30 years, mainly around um, people's behavior, about the brain, like the neuroscience, even for kids. So child development research and neuroscience, so much of that we did not have 30, 40 years ago. We, our parents didn't have it, right? So, and, and it wasn't in business. It, it just really wasn't understood or spoken about. We didn't know. So now there is like oodles of research. There is um, one of the books behind me is by the founder and director of Yale University in the US, Yale University's Center for Emotional Intelligence. So there are massive organizations now dedicated to researching and bringing this stuff to the forefront of people's minds and helping them see how literally it's like the recipe for success. If you want your kids to become an adult who is empathetic, understanding, uh, kind, resilient, um, successful, you know, if, if you want to create and help raise kids who become those kind of adults who are going to be our next generation's leaders, then we need to start now and do the groundwork and change our own understandings and, and learn and, and um, things like that so that we are basically giving our kids the right platform you know, so I, I, someone said to me the other day, um, it's, you know, doing this kind of work and teaching our kids emotional intelligence is saving us thousands of years in therapy when we're in our thirties or forties. And I said, yeah, yeah, that's basically right. We're, we're giving our kids the understanding and awareness and tools that we, you know, some of us, we just found in our thirties and thought, oh my goodness, like there's this stuff out there now. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's me. That's me. It's, it's a, yeah, it's, and it's a, I guess, an interesting way to look at it, but we can, by starting with our kids, by starting, you know, it's never too late to start with this, but by starting with our kids, how important that will be for generations to come. And yep. you've, you, you touched on a couple things there to to be uh, as for parents, but also for kids. So how so how do parents become emotionally intelligent parents? Um, and 
you you touched on a little bit there why it's so important but i guess how do we get there where where do we start and i know you mentioned self-awareness before but i guess if you could give us a brief rundown of of where do we begin with this as parents yeah um so something i want to mention before looking at where do we start with this as parents is you know speaking a little bit before about why emotional intelligence is so important some of the um really groundbreaking and kind of shaking i don't know ground shaking uh research that has come out is in um, relation to how emotional intelligence is a massive protective factor against anxiety and depression and using substances to deal with uh, unpleasant emotions and tough situations. So um, maybe that is a bit of a segue into how parents can start to develop their own emotional intelligence in order to raise emotionally intelligent kids is to really start to have a look at what what um, is the what's behind emotional intelligence and what drives it and what what for you and your family if you're a dad you know what do you want to prevent in your kids uh what are some of the things that scare you and for me that's things like when my two kids become 15 16 years old and they have relationships and they have friendships and um you know choices get made we know the teenage brain is far from developed and, and I want my kids to be able to come home and know that I'm not going to blow up and get triggered and, and hit the roof when they've made a poor decision. Cause they're gonna. Um, and I want them to think I have the confidence to come and ask mum or dad or tell dad, look, you know, I did this today. I, I know I shouldn't have, but everyone was doing it. Um, I want them to come to us to be able to have those conversations. I want that to be normalized. I want them to think, yeah, I just talked to mom and dad, we're open and I don't get shamed. I don't get shouted at. I don't get called a baby or stupid or anything like that. So maybe that's a great place to start is to think, why is this so important to me? Like what, what are the impacts or the implications of if I don't do this and what, what do I really want um, my kids to sort of turn out? Like if I fast forward 10 or 15 years, so that is a great catalyst. You know, we call it our why. Why is this so important? Why is this? Um, we come back to that when we start to learn about emotional intelligence. Remember why I'm doing this. Because as a dad, I don't want my kids to, you know, fall in this trap. I don't want to repeat. I don't want them to maybe repeat the same patterns or the same mistakes I did. And I've just repeated what my dad did you know, all of that kind of stuff. So it's really getting your head around that. And that, like you said, it's self-awareness. It's looking at what do I do and how do I usually react and where did I get that from? It's, it's a loop, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, as you're talking there, I'm just like, and we've discussed this before, you know, my why is, you know, for, for my kids not to, to grow up suppressing all those emotions because I know what stems from not being able to express emotions in a, in a healthy way, but even, you know, not being able to express motion emotions in an unhealthy way. Like the, the fact that I just bottled everything up, you know, and I've talked many times before about, you know, the, the moment where I, I, I was, my body just had to release all of that, but it's like, it is such a powerful why, and 
I don't think I ever, when Betty was born, I, I still wasn't aware. I still wasn't aware of how important this was until I started making, I guess, mistakes as a parent and then going, okay, well, this just doesn't, it just doesn't make me feel good as a parent. So I think there might be a lot of, a lot of dads, a lot of parents listening now going, where do I, how do I start in terms of like, I don't know anything about this in terms of like, this is all language I've never heard before. I don't understand any of it. And I think a great starting point is if something makes you feel uncomfortable, if you grew up in a household that, you know, I, I don't want to do that as a parent, but you've recognised that you might be doing as a parent, these are all great starting points to start asking the question and start reaching out. You know, the, the best thing we, you know, me and Chrissy did as parents was to reach out to you and, you know, to be transparent, we're doing your chaos to connection parenting course now. And it's just one of the most incredible courses that I've ever taken, especially in, like I thought it was going to be a course about kids <laughs> you know and the, the harsh reality is it's a course for me you know it's a course for what is you know what does dad need to do um in terms of like to be able to raise an emotionally intelligent kid so I think yeah for parents out there wondering what to do or wondering I don't understand any of this like really just question and you know you don't even have to have a strong why but just like question okay that makes me feel uncomfortable or I don't want I don't want any of that to happen to my kids what happened to me I don't want that to happen so I think yeah you've raised some incredible um points there and I think it's to to then have that why and to have that self-awareness is such a powerful thing to to move forward um, yeah yep. Yeah. And it starts it starts with curiosity, doesn't it? You know, like you said, thinking, why why do I feel so bad about that? Like I've I've worked with parents who say, I think I feel like I'm scarring my kids. I feel like I'm breaking my kids. Um, I've you know my my dad just came out of my mouth, kind of thing, um, or I sound like my mum. Those kind of things. And so having that curiosity as to why am I like that? Um, what can I do to change that? And yeah, you know, courses and things like that are incredible. There are so many people out there who in any different industry know a hell of a lot about what you're searching for and, and are able to give you the support there. And I would say start with um, start with Googling, start with watching stuff on YouTube. There is such an abundance of information out there. You will find stuff that resonates with you. Um, I've got a lot of articles and blogs on my website all about emotionally intelligent parenting, about kids, about emotions, about behavior, the lot of it. So there's so much info out there. Just start. I mean, you'll probably get lost down the Google rabbit hole, but that's a great place to start and, um, and learn from those people who are kind of dedicating their life to uncovering this stuff and getting it, you know, spreading the word um, to everyone. So, yeah. yeah. I want to, I guess, change the direction now to, to our kids. So you mentioned depression and anxiety before. Mm -hmm. um, how can emotional intelligence help our kids in regard to, to depression and anxiety? And what else can it do for our kids? Yeah. Ooh, such I a mean, juicy 
Yeah. <laughs> big big <laughs> question. And <laughs> but yeah, just I guess you know, where you feel is, you know, the the, the greatest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's look at the connection between things like anxiety and depression and um and the strategies or the coping strategies that people use, looking at the connection between that and emotional intelligence. And the connection is that um, people, let's look at kids or teenagers who do not have emotional intelligence. So they don't have that emotional self-awareness. They don't know what they're feeling in the moment. They don't know why. They don't know how to connect what's just happened or what's going on in their life to how they're feeling they might not have that behavioral self-control or the impulse control to um, inhibit or manage some of those big emotions and those behaviors, the lashing out or the verbal lashing out or the physical lashing out. Um, and, uh, you know, friendships and relationships, knowing how to, like I said, communication is a competency within EQ. So um, being honest, having integrity, being open, being authentic, communicating, knowing your emotions, being able to, also know other people's emotions and have a sense of empathy and awareness for them. Take away all of that. And then inevitably a, let's go with a teenager. They're going to have, they're going to come up against some tough situations where they haven't studied and they get, you know, um, a fail on a test or they have a breakdown in a relationship with a friend or a boyfriend or girlfriend, all those tough moments are going to happen. Those adversities are, unavoidable. Um, and as a part of my EQ training, I, I've done another part of training, which is um, resilience training uh, here in Sydney. And we know that to, in order to build resilience, we need to go through adversity, be supported and have some skills to go through it. But um, we can't avoid it. We can't avoid adversity, things going wrong, mistakes happening, making bad choices. We're going to do that. Especially kids and teens are going to do that because of their under construction brain. <laughs> So if we don't, you know, if our kids don't have some of those problem solving skills, if they don't know their emotions, if they can't control some of those behaviors, things are going to happen. They're going to go through adversity and then they're going to fall in a hole. Um, they're going to maybe fall into depression because they don't have the awareness of emotions and some coping strategies. Wow. I'm feeling like this. You know what? I need to talk to someone or I need to go and take a, take a walk, breath of fresh air and offload, or I need to process this they will squash it down or uh, they'll go, they'll go one of two ways. They'll either squash it down and suppress it, which is what I did um, as a child, because I was not emotionally intelligent and it, I felt it wasn't okay to talk about those negative emotions. I was a good girl and a people pleaser. So I squashed it down and that didn't end well. Um, other kids will uh, blow up and they go outward, not inward. And they will, um, you know, they'll get in trouble with the law in, in a, in worst case scenario. Um, so there is so much research that shows when we give some of it, these skills to our kids and we start creating this emotionally intelligent family culture, um, then it's it protects our kids against anxiety because they're able to speak about what's worrying them. They're, they have the emotional vocabulary. They can connect why they're feeling a certain way to what has happened. They can prepare for things that are coming up that are nerve wracking. Um, they can get through friendship adversities and and conflicts with friends and kids in the classroom, in the playground. So all of these skills are protective factors. And the research shows, you know, emotionally intelligent kids will um, be in trouble with the law less. They will turn to substance abuse less. 
they will have um, better chance of having a full-time job when they're in their um, when they're in their 20s. They will earn more in their career. They have better relationships. They're closer with their parents. Uh, um, it literally the list goes on, and you can trace it back to that X factor that is emotional intelligence. It's it's not IQ, it's EQ. So um, there's a lot to <laughs> a lot to go to go on with, but I'll leave it there. <laughs> yeah, no, and you know you're not just kind of pulling you know, all that information out of thin air there, you know, I think you mentioned before, there was a, a long, um, a long running study that they've seen the impact of that over like uh, uh, several and several years. So it's not just as if, oh yeah, we've, we've done this bit and it's, oh yeah, we've noticed a couple of things that, you know, it's some, you know, solid research and information that, that has come out of that. So I think, yeah, yeah I, uh, you know, one of the things you said then, and it might be slightly off topic, but it's like kids go in one of two ways. You know, they, they can either suppress the emotions or they can kind of blow up. And and we typically think that blowing up and that um, expressing of emotions, you know, we label it, oh, that's a naughty kid. But on the flip side of that, there's someone who suppresses their emotions. Um, they're not naughty kids, but... we. we and I'm not going to say they're good kids, but we kind of, we label them that way. So oh, if you, you know, if you, if you behave, you're a good kid. If you don't behave, you're a naughty kid. So I think yeah. how, as parents, how do we, I guess, change our view on that? Um, ah, I, I love that. You said, how can we change our view? And I kind of, I know I just sort of cut you off, <laughs> no, no, that's but it's, but it's because when you said that, I had this light bulb moment um, about we need to change our lens. That's it. That's what we need to do first off. So um, mums and dads alike need to start um, educating themselves because we, we haven't had this until now, this information, and shifting the lens of how we see our child's behaviour. And I was literally just writing about this this morning. I'm in the middle of writing my book and I'm getting up every morning at six to write it before the kids get up. And this is the exact topic in the exact chapter I'm writing at the moment. So it's like fresh in my mind and, and it's, um, it's a paradigm shift. So it's shifting our beliefs and our understanding and the stuff that we cling to for so long because we've been raised that way, but it's shifting the way we see our child's behavior. So our kids' behavior and anyone's behavior is not where we need to focus our attention and squash it or suppress it because it's rude or it's hurtful or it's inappropriate. It can be all those things, but we need to have the lens of, wow, my child's behavior is simply a signal. It's the, it's the smoke screen or it's the, um, it's the, uh, the way for them to communicate what's going on, what they're not able to deal with, what they don't yet have the skills with. They're telling us this is too hard. I can't cope. I'm about to lose it. I can't deal with this right now. I haven't got the skills to yet. Um, and so it's really, when I look at behavior, I don't look at, oh, I've got to stop that squash it. It's naughty. It's too loud. It's uncomfortable for us. That's why we call it challenging behavior, <laughs> but it's actually just our child's adaptive response to what is going on around them or inside them, right? So by what I mean, what I mean by an adaptive response is that when our child 
let's say we say, sorry, no more, no more iPad, buddy. You've had it enough. Come on, let's go outside. And they blow up or they lash out, whatever. That behavior is simply a signal. Um, it's simply their body and their nervous systems, adaptive response, the way that they are responding to the fact that they don't have skills to manage their emotions in that moment. They don't have the skills yet to say, oh, okay, well, I really want to keep playing, but that's fine. Here it is. They, they can't hand it over quietly yet. They can't put aside their own, um, you know, strong feelings about the iPad. They love it. They don't have the impulse control yet. So all behavior is, is showing us that our child cannot meet our expectations for them in that moment. And it looks messy. It looks hairy. It looks rude. It, it can be hurtful for sure. Um, so shifting our lens to look at behavior in that way and, um, and to work from that point of reference, I guess we can, we can allow those emotions for sure. We can allow anger, rage, frustration, anxiety, all of those, you know, disappointment doesn't mean we necessarily have to accept all behavior because we would be that that's a disservice to our kids. If we do that and to maybe their siblings, we can't allow uh, hurtful or dangerous or inappropriate behavior. But um, I think this, there's a few things in there that are just a massive paradigm shift for parents because we weren't brought up that way yeah. at all. Yeah. Like, it, you know, as you, as you say in all of that, there's so much unlearning a parent has to do. So they, it, it's, you know, they always say when you have, when you have kids, you're never given a handbook of, of how to, to parent or anything like that. But there's so much, you know, we got the way we parent from a lot of influencing factors, you know, out, the way our parents parented or the way our parents didn't parent are two of the mm -hmm. biggest, you know, but then we, we pick it up in different reasons. So there's not, you know, there's not, there isn't a handbook and it's great that there's not a handbook, but we have to recognize as well, there's so much unlearning that we need to do. There's so much, you know, just simple things that, you know, uh, used to be, you know, the societal norm of, you know, kids are seen and not heard. It was such a, you know, it was constantly said, you know, when I was growing up, if not to me, around me, you know, that's what kids do. They sit at a different table. They're, you know, separate, they're excluded because that's, that's kids, but we have to recognize. And, uh, you know, one of my passions is, is I guess, showing how, wise kids actually are if we give them the opportunity and to listen to them sometimes they're not talking that you know at the same language that we are but it's because we're in such a heightened state of like not being able to recognize what they're saying because we we believe it has to be a certain way so i think this will because it made it made me uncomfortable and you, you know you said it before it's icky it's yucky it doesn't feel good but it's as parents we need to lean into that because the the payoff and you've talked about that through this the payoff for, for our kids and ourselves you know it, it leads to a much more just harmonized peaceful you know culture in our household if we if we start breeding this culture as opposed to the old parenting paradigms i mm. think you know one of the you know the, the great quotes that you've um, you constantly share um, because I think it's 
you know, for me, it's just such a profound quote, you know, when kids' emotions are high, their logic and language are low. So in a meltdown, don't reason with them, connect, hold space and be. Mm. I think, you know, I think that will scare a lot of parents. Um, so I guess in, you know, you probably touched a lot on, you know, that, that quote, but do you want to just talk a little bit around that? And then I guess how as parents can we become comfortable with mm. connecting, holding space and just being with them? Yeah. And you know what you said, um, a lot of parents that that'll probably scare or at least make a lot of parents uncomfortable. And I would assume, and this is me making an assumption, that it makes dads more uncomfortable than mums um, because we're typically the nurturers. And because, like, I want to throw a, a suggestion out there maybe, um, does it make dads more uncomfortable because they that was not the way they were raised? That has That is not what they have seen or experienced it's really hard to emulate something that you haven't experienced. Um, you know, it's like watching someone play the piano a few times and then just giving it a go yourself. Unless you've, unless you've seen it, experienced it and practiced it, you, it's going to be foreign to you. So um, uh, yeah, I would think that that's, that quote makes parents, a lot of parents go, Ooh, what do you mean? Like how, but, but, but don't you need to give your child consequences or punishments? to help them learn. And that's a whole other <laughs> topic, <laughs> but um, yeah, the connecting uh, with them and holding space, you know, I think it, it begins with us. We are the ones it's not going to, it's not going to come from our kids. They are finding their way in this adult world. They have no idea. They are slowly learning our customs and the way of the land sort of thing. Um, and so if we can get to the space where we really understand um the you know what the research says that stuff you can't argue with i know i know sometimes um reading things online you think really what's the like is that just a, an opinion or is that you know where are you saying that from that's that's that was really where i started because going through a speech pathology degree we learned you know it was drilled into us about evidence-based practice and you look at the, what the research says don't just go off what you think a child needs to learn in sessions kind of thing. So, um, yeah, really, I suppose, looking at how um, beneficial it is in the long run. Yes, it sometimes takes a little bit longer to connect with your child in those moments, to allow the emotion and to hold that space where they can release the yucky and loud um, feelings when you're able to get to that space um, and just, you know, I think the last part of that says just be, you know, it, it kind of speaks to what, um, what a lot of us call the therapeutic use of self, which is just using yourself, your body, your presence and your being to help your child co-regulate. That's what it is. Um, and again, I, like I can find the research that shows us when our child's nervous system is dysregulated and we bring just simply ourselves in and our calm um, uh, nature and calm energy and emotion, this literally diffuses 
those big emotions. It helps our kids to regulate their nervous system and we can see them calming just by us being there and allowing that wave of emotion to come because we know it will go. Um, but that can be really uncomfortable when we haven't seen it demonstrated. We didn't experience it. You know, we've just got to, we've just got to get in there and do it and give it a go, you know? So it, yeah. it is scary. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I think not only is it uncomfortable when you actually get the tools, it's, it's hard. It's hard to do. It's hard when, you know, when, you know, your child is having a meltdown to, not be pulled into that emotion too, to, to, ever, to be able to go in there with that calm, with that sense, you know, that, that energy of just, okay, this is okay. Because we're typically, and again, goes back to the parent, parenting paradigms that we're typically, that's not okay for kids to release their emotions. But, you know, the reality is we, our kids, they need to test all those boundaries. They need to know where the line is that they can get to. And as parents, it's up to us to hold, you know, and my biggest struggle, and we've talked about it, is, is setting that clear boundary. But if I don't set that clear boundary, Betty will never know. Betty will never understand what a boundary is and she'll, she'll constantly keep pushing and pushing, and not just to me, in, in life, you know, in her teenage years, in, in her early 20s, because, oh, well, well, dad never set a boundary, so everything must be okay. That's where my kind of head goes off to. Like if, if I don't give her that, you know, that safe environment to, to push those boundaries, but then to set a clear boundary and go, no, that, okay, that's okay, that's okay, that's not okay now. Um, she'll just never know. Mm. So I think as parents, it's you've you've got to, I guess, just accept that it will be hard. It will be difficult. There's going to be lots of tears. You know, mum and dad will cry too. That's just all part of the process, and it's uncomfortable. And it's we've got to we've got to normalize. And I know you're passionate about this too. Normalize all of that. You know, normalize it. Those mm. feelings, emotions, those uncomfortable situations are all okay. You know, none of us are perfect. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're, you've hit the nail on the head. And <clears throat> I think for a lot of parents, um, mums and dads alike, we get stressed. We don't like it when our kids are having those uncomfortable emotions. We don't like it when they cry. We don't like it when they're angry. We don't like it when they stomp their feet or they shout. Um, we, maybe we were not allowed to do that as kids ourselves. So that, that is a big no, no to us. Oh, don't you speak to me like that young lady or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, we didn't experience that maybe as a child, or we think that is disrespectful to us as an adult. Uh, we read a lot into our child's behavior, um, in error, and we make up stories in our head about why they are, you know, this way or that way. And, um, going back to your comment on boundaries, if we are not modeling clear, healthy, um, grounded boundaries to our kids, then how, how are we, what are we modeling to them for them to set boundaries for other people when they are a teenager or when they are an adult, when they're in a relationship or when someone says, come on, let's go do this. Or, um, you know, it'll be fine. Just, you know, everyone's doing it, that kind of thing. Like I want my kids to be able to set a boundary because they've experienced it and they've had it modeled to them and they they know there's strength in saying hey that's not okay um that's not okay by me or i i you know that that's 
my line, this is inappropriate or this is dangerous, for example. So it doesn't mean that we are one of those authoritarian, cold-hearted parents who just put boundaries everywhere because we know that drives our kids the other way, (laughs) you know, Um, but we have healthy, loving boundaries that says to our child, this is how we set a boundary. I'm doing it now because I know it's for the best reason. I'm keeping you safe. I'm keeping you healthy. This is how we say no. And it's okay that you're upset about that. It's okay that you're really disappointed. It's okay that you're angry about that. I can handle that because I'm in my grounded space as the the leader of one of the leaders of the family, perhaps. Um, And I think becoming okay with the emotional pushback and the resistance and the whinging and the complaining, being okay with that just it just builds our strength as a parent, which means we're able to show and model that to our kids. I hope that made sense. <laughs> I was going around in circles. No, no, in no circles at all. It makes complete sense. And I think, you know, as, you, as you're talking, you know, through there, I'm just picturing, you know, we, you know, a lot of what, um, you know, especially in terms of boundaries for me, it's like we are so scared as parents to, to, I guess, make a mistake because of the way other people will, will view us as parents. And I think that's it. We've got to let go of that. And we've got to, you know, I, I kind of implore parents out there that if you, you know, if you see, you know, a parent that, that's struggling, you know, you don't have to say anything, but it's also not about judging their situation either because we've, we're all going to get there. We're all going to be there. We're going to be in that situation. And I think, again, that's going back to normalising that, you know, kids will do all of that and that's not a judgement on the parents and the way parents are. Isn't it? This is not a, a judgement on you as parents, but it's there's a lot now that we understand so the the whole idea is that, you know, one of my biggest beliefs is that when you know better, it's up to you to do better. So, you know, the, for the people that are listening um, to this podcast now or, or listen to it, it's up to you now about what you do with this information. So mm-hmm. I think that will lead me into it. So what... Um, I know you mentioned Googling, um, you know, emotional intelligence before and, you know, looking at YouTube and things like that. But, you know, I I want to point people in your direction. So how can people um, connect with you, reach out to you? um, And how can you help uh, parents in, in regards to this? Yeah, I would love that if anyone is looking for some support or even just to have a conversation the easiest place to probably find me and um, reach me is through my website, which is just stephaniepinto.com. Um, and you can send a form in and, um, and we can have a chat that way. Uh, I have a Facebook group, which is called Let's Raise Emotionally Intelligent Kids. And so um, you're more than welcome to join the group, join the conversation. Um, and obviously I'm on Facebook just under Stephanie Pinto as well. So you know, there's a few ways to um, sort of connect and keep learning about this stuff. If you're, uh, you know, if you like to visually watch um, and digest information that way, I'm on YouTube. And if you like to read articles and blogs and things, they're on my website too. So there's a whole lot of ways in which parents can 
get in touch and just have a conversation or just read and start learning, going down that rabbit hole, like I said, a little bit. Um, and the ways um, in which I work with parents are either in sessions one-on-one or in my Chaos to Connection eight-week group um, with parents. And I'm working on online programs at the moment, which parents can do at their own pace, um, continue the learning and get a whole lot of resources and support that way as well. And um, in their own space and time. So, yeah. Excellent. Thank you. Um, I just, what, what do you, if I guess parents and um you know, adults that are, are, are looking to become parents, if they, if, where do you see um, emotional intelligence going? Like, it, I know we've talked about what it can, what it can do for us, how it can help us. But I, I think, I just feel that this is kind of the tip of the iceberg of, of what's going to happen. What does, I guess, the future and generations look like? And I know I'm asking you to, you know, look at the crystal ball here, but, for someone that's that does it for a living, what do you what do you see or what do you hope um, comes from this as kind of a, a final thought, a final word? Yeah, I think um, I love that conversations like this are happening now more and more, and I think um, keeping this stuff or pushing it to the forefront of um, parents' minds, of educators' minds, and um, you know, decision makers and things like that. I think the way the research is going, it's becoming, um, we, we keep coming back to the fact that it's normalized, which is great. It's going to be, um, you know, it, it's, it's looking like a huge paradigm shift is happening with across many families, across many countries um, across the world and I would like to see it just continue to grow and continue to spread into the hearts and the minds of um, all you know all parents all mums all dads and um, people who are making the big decisions about um, even about schooling what what our academics and our curriculum looks like and things like that so I would like to see this emotional intelligence I suppose, um, become what drives people's decisions, what drives their way of being, what drives them in relationships and how they show up. Um, and I think the ripple effects of that, like, like you said, it's a crystal ball. (laughs) I, I would love to sort of see in 10, 20, 30 years time, what the landscape looks like. Um, if this stuff continues to get out to people and people start to really change their mind, change their lens, change their behavior and, and start doing what we know is um, best practice. If I just put it that way, bluntly. Yeah. Beautiful. I think, yeah, I think, yeah, no, you've summed it up so beautifully there. And I think it's just such a powerful, it is such a powerful tool and we just, the more and more we, understand about it you you know you're exactly right it is with the more and more we understand that it is best practice and that's just the the way it, it should be because of how beneficial it is you know and for me um being passionate about men's health mental health like it, you can't tell me that if we don't focus this and push this towards the forefront especially through schooling and things like that that there's not 
going to be such a beneficial thing for our kids and you know the, yeah I just yeah just it's yeah it's just brilliant that it's you know the, the conversation's been had about it so I thank you for you know, having this conversation with me I thank you for uh, giving so much um not only of your time but so much information and resources for for the parents that will listen to this and and um you just you put everything in a way that's so easy to understand um and it's in a very um loving and compassionate way um and parents can uh, hopefully resonate with this and, and will reach out if not you know directly to you but you know one of my you know, favorite things to do is to jump on your your um Facebook group and, and see the conversation there because it's just it, it what you put up just sparks um powerful conversation between parents and we all parent in different ways and look at ways in, in um look at parenting differently and to have that conversation and to engage in that conversation is just such a powerful thing for parents. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I think you're right. The conversations is where it begins and where things grow from. So thank you for this platform and for having your guests on and for sharing what you know and your experience as well. I think it is, it's invaluable. So thank you. Parenting is super rewarding, but it can be extremely difficult. I truly believe it takes a village to raise a child. It takes courage to share your story and it takes strength to reach out for help. So I thank you for tuning into this episode. I genuinely appreciate you taking the time to listen. The Dads Lifting Dads podcast is not just for dads. So if this episode resonated with you or you know a loved one that will get value from this, then please share it. You can find me and connect with me at a dad lifting dads on Instagram.